Dear Diary, today's episode is the best of for episodes 31 through 40. Listen to stories from The Mascot Company, Casey Wolf, Corey, Anonymous, Benny, Nugget, Blue, Rex Royal, Charlie T. Riverdog, Spike, and Kara. The biggest challenge when, when we get a request coming in is, you know, people say, well, here's my logo. Make my logo as my mascot. And my and I, I'm I'm developing a bit of a re- reputation uh, in in the in the industry that I don't tell people what they want to hear necessarily. I tell them what they need to hear. <laughs> and one of the things that people need to hear is that your mascot should not be your logo; it should wear your logo. Yeah. And and that's a, a very difficult thing because if you're making a, a character for a logo, a brand that doesn't necessarily translate well into being a mascot itself. You have to sort of think outside the box a little bit. You have to be um, a little bit more creative that way, you know? So it becomes, uh, it becomes a bit of a challenge because uh, people come in with expectations and I sort of take them off into a different direction. 90% of the time they get it and they, and they, they're happier when they when they listen to me, I've been doing this long enough that I know the difference. But you know, a lot of times it's challenging because I, I might put some people off by saying, "No, I I don't want to make a, a tree mascot for you because a tree doesn't make any sense." You know, we should put a bird in the tree. That would make more sense, right? The, the big thing for us, uh, what is sacrosanct when we're creating a character, is the safety of the performer on the inside. And people who aren't professional mascot designers don't understand that sometimes they don't understand that there's actually a person inside that structure that has to walk around. That person has to be safe, first and foremost. They have to be comfortable um, and they have to be able to move around. Um, I I once received a, a, a request from a college uh, it was a Southern United States, uh, from the Southern United States, and they were a Bible college. And their request to me was, please make us a Bible as a mascot. Now, <laughs> the blasphemy <laughs> aside, <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I said, no, I, I don't want to make that mascot for you because basically all I'll be doing is making you a box how will the performer walk around in that box? How will, you know, you'll stick your hands through it. Your arms will fall asleep. If the person fall happens to trip and fall over, they can't put their hands out to stop themselves. They're going to bounce on the ground. You can't get through wall. can't get through doors. Um, you can't store it. You can't, you know, so there's, there's lots of things like that to consider that people don't really do. They don't consider when they call us. They say, I just want to make a, you know, I want to be a lighthouse. Okay, a lighthouse is a big, tall tube. You know, you shouldn't probably go in that direction with the character. <laughs> Most dangerous thing ever done in a suit. Uh, we did a zipline skit one time and didn't go very well, and I fell fell about 75 feet, busted up. I broke, I broke seven ribs. I collapsed my left lung. I shattered my tailbone. I cracked my sacrum. I uh, got a big gash in the back of my left leg that required stitches, and then my worst injury, I I broke the T12 vertebrae in my back and I got these new titanium rods back there. And so in my back and that I spent nine days in a hospital and six months off of work. So 
that has probably been my worst injury and the most dangerous stunt that uh, didn't exactly go as planned. But uh, thankfully, that uh, that's not something that occurs on a regular basis in the mascot business. That was just kind of a freak accident. And but yeah, while I after I got hurt, it gave me a chance since I had six months off work. It, I had a good chance to uh, had plenty of time on my hands, so I wrote a book about my career as a mascot. And and, and I, whenever I go out and speak now, I I sell that book, and all the money we make off of that book, we give away to uh, different missions and ministries and charities. And so we've been able to donate over $30,000 to homeless shelters and orphanages. And I just, last summer, I spent a week at an orphanage in Haiti. And and, uh, and so we help support some uh, orphans down there and, and uh, just a lot of other, you know, battered women's shelters and uh, soup kitchens and, and uh, just all kinds of great uh charities and ministries that are doing a lot of great work and uh so it's uh you know even even good things come out of the bad sometimes and and uh i was just thankful to be able to uh write that book and not go out and kind of share that story with uh different groups and and uh you know one of the things i always tell people and, and it's something my parents taught me when i was uh, growing up they said that your life is like your finances you can do one of two things with money. You can spend it or you can invest it. Money you spend, you never see again, but money you invest, that's wise. That, that'll multiply and come back to you. But we do the same thing with our lives. You will, you'll spend it or you'll invest it. A life that's just selfishly is wasted, but a life that's invested in, in helping others and in influencing others and making an impact in the lives of others that's going to bear fruit for an eternity. And so, so I try to encourage people to, and I try to live this way myself as a, as an investor, not just spending my life selfishly, but trying to use my platform as an NFL mascot and use my, uh, you know, my, the opportunities the Lord gives me each day just to make an impact in this world that I live in. Yes. And I, I read that book and it's, so it's wolves can't fly. And that's, that's why I reached out. And I guess I'll talk about this now. I just wanted to say that I, I loved reading your book. It was a really great positive read and it really influenced me and inspired me to just keep doing what I'm doing as a teacher and, and as like a rec leader. And I, I work parks and rec during the summer and, um, and right. so I, I do community events and, and my mom read it too. And she liked, it. and she was really surprised that she's like, you got the guy that wrote the book <laughs> to do your interview. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's true. Well, hey, well, you've got a great opportunity. You know, I tell this to people all the time, no matter where you, uh, what your occupation is, no matter what you're doing, all of us have an opportunity to, to make an influence in the, or have an influence in this world. You know, I think one of my favorite quotes on leadership is from John Maxwell. And he, he said this, he said that leadership is not about titles, positions, or flow charts. Leadership's about one life influencing another. And, and that's what I'm passionate about is trying to go out and encourage others to, to live a life of influence, they, you know, in their homes, in their uh, workplaces and their communities and in, in this world that we live in. Cause Every one of us, if we, you know, we can have a positive impact in the lives of others and we can make this world a better place, our little corner of the world a little better place just by the 
the way we uh, we treat others in life. And so that's what I try to do. The mini mascot has been here. Uh, I believe that it is the character's 20-something season. I, I know it's not been as long here as, you know, the main mascot has. But it's pretty cool because it actually is like a family type thing. The mini mascot's dad actually was, you know, the mini mascot back in the day. And then it went to somebody who, like, wasn't, you know, related to the guy back in the day. And then now uh, his daughter's doing it for us. So, uh, you know, it's it's really cool, you know, that, that things like that, you know, stay, like, local uh, in the family and all that stuff. So I think that's pretty cool. Okay, that's cool. So it's, like, tradition, I guess, a little bit. And Yeah, I would, I would call it a tradition. <laughs> and so... They just put on one of your old heads, right? <laughs> no, uh, they actually have all of their own separate uh, um, things. Uh, the mascot company that we that we were with before I went to the one that I use currently, um, they actually made you know separate stuff for the main character and the mini character. So the mini character, like what I'll do to it, is all like father's day and mother's day like all that other stuff i'll dress you know that head up with the uh the father's day um character or the mother's day character uh and then they'll you know come out on the field and we'll do something uh but you know obviously on those days i can't have the mini mascot there too which is a bummer but you know at least we have a specialty uh character like that no, yeah, definitely. We said we didn't want to talk numbers, but the mini mascot gets paid, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that she she's paid um 100%. She's, you know, uh, she's actually older than I am, um but her job is definitely uh part-time uh Fridays and Saturdays only. So your mini mascot is not a kid. No. What? It's not a kid. She's a she's a little person. Oh, wow. This is like amazing to me right now. <laughs> well yeah but there with with a lot of the kids stuff um you can't really you know it's well you can but it's not really a good idea you know to put a kid in costume uh you know number one is liability uh you know if, if he does anything or if the fans do anything because I've, I've i know the not fans here but fans that i've worked with previously um i definitely you know wouldn't want to put a kid in that situation so, you know, we have the, the person that we have in, you know, uh, the mini mascot, they know how to, you know, work the crowds and, uh, you know, see all the potential problems and all that other stuff. So, you know, if we have crazy fans or anything like that, they're just, you know, trained to go away. And it's a lot easier to do that with somebody that, you know, understands being a mascot and all that other stuff. Uh, than just, you know, trying to explain it to, you know, kids. So, oh, yeah. um, I know that, you know, I know that a lot of other mascots, um, use kids and sometimes they're like their own kids, which is great. You know, I think that that'd be awesome, uh, you know, to eventually, you know, have kids one day and, you know, bring them into being mascots and, you know, opening that door for them. But, you know, until then I have, you know, the, the mini mascots, so we'll, uh, <laughs> We'll see and uh, make do and all that stuff. Probably back in uh, minor league hockey, um, I actually almost got like taken from the arena 
like by this woman and these two other guys. So what? It was, it, that was pretty crazy. They kidnapped but, the mascot. You know, I, that's that's definitely like a extreme case. So what happened there? They they said, hey, you know, come here. You know, I always as a mascot, you say, hey, come here. Like, you know, meet my son or, you know, meet my daughter. And then you're like, oh, man, so you got to follow these people around. But, you know, and it's great because, you know, you got to you, you love, uh, you know, seeing the kids and all that other stuff. But at the same time, like, you know, it's whenever somebody like, you know, like, hey, come here, you know, where there's not really. I wouldn't say there wasn't anybody there, um, but the people that were there should have been paying attention a lot more, you know, so it got to the point of where, like, I was walking out, you know, and then the two guys on the side, they, you know, lifted me up and, like, started, like, taking me out of the arena, and, you know, then you're just like, man, luckily there was a security guy that was at the exit, so, um, you know, they definitely were not allowed back in the arena, but, you know, that that was a very weird um you know, mascot experience. I would say it's definitely one that I've never had anywhere else. So, you know, I don't know if it was like just those one weird people or, you know, what that, uh, that issue was, but, you know, thankfully security was there and, um, you know, everything was taken care of. Yeah. You almost went missing, bro. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> A missing mascot. Back in the uh, well, back back at then, I was like I was eighteen, so you know I really didn't know how to like deal with any of you know that stuff, and you know, hey, come see this person or come see that person. You know, now whenever you know I do specific you know autograph times throughout the day, um, I have you know autograph cards that I pass out uh, you know during the games, and you know even at the end of games, I stay in at my you know autograph place until the last fan left so oh man but that's just like insane like you don't understand how many stories just like went through my head of like what they wanted with you like who do they want with the mascot oh my god yeah i don't know who knows who knows a lot of a lot of times you know it's, it's the same question of you know why is somebody gonna go steal a mascot costume and you know rob a bank yeah. Like, why do people do half the stuff that, you know, people do and think that, oh, yeah, this is a good idea. Oh, man, that is crazy. So okay. they probably, <laughs> I don't know, they probably wanted the mascot costume or the jersey. Or, I, I have no idea. And that was the easiest way, right? To just steal the person, like, in the mascot Well, suit. but that, that's the other thing that I don't understand is they know that, like, if I went outside of that arena at any point, I was 18, so I wouldn't have been considered a minor for kidnapping. But technically, they would they would have some sort of you know kidnapping charge of some kind. Yeah, no. from you know pulling something like that. So you know it's it, it's crazy. You know it's crazy the stuff that you know you read about and hear about, especially with you know mascots and you know handlers and you know oh this person missed this or you know the Mr. Met thing. So, but at that same time, also I was a part-time performer. So if you like pay close attention to like all of the stuff that happens, that's like big news in the mascot world. Like for, I'm using the most recent thing, with you know, Mr. Met, that guy was actually a part-time guy. So, you know, cause they don't have a full-time mascot coordinator at the Mets. 
So, you know, once you have a bunch of different part-time guys, you know, sharing that job and all that, um, it gets to, you know, if you want somebody that is like the face of your brand, um, it needs to not be a, uh, you know, part-time person it needs to be a full-time, you know, salaried coordinator position. And I think that if every team did that, then they would solve half the problems that, you know, we've seen at least in this past year. So do you have any regrets so far in your mascotting career? I think my biggest regret has to be not waiting for for uh, going for the Islanders gig. Because at that point, I was only like a year into the the uh, art of mascotting itself. So I don't think I spent enough time to perfect my uh, craft, if you will, going into uh, the Islanders interview, because you're jumping from corporate mascot, essentially to the major leagues right off the bat. So I feel like I should have given myself enough time to prepare myself for such a big jump. Yeah. What do you feel you do differently? Probably the weakest aspect to my craft is dancing and I've gotten a lot better at it lately so probably like spending time learning from other characters especially at the all-star game that helps a lot learning from other characters the performance arts and the interactions and all that all that stuff from them learning from them to try and build myself up yeah I mean, I, I think that really is the best way. Not that you want to steal anything, like, but just like watch. Oh, no, other no, people. not yeah, at all like, steal it, but just like try and like build off what their experiences. No, yeah, definitely. Have you like reached out to any other mascots and maybe asked like for, for help or advice? <laughs> um, well, I'm actually part of a group chat that has like 500 other uh, for current and former collegiate mascots that are there. So I, I've got plenty of resources there. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's great that, you know, they help you out and stuff. And I know a few people that have reached out and and gotten some information. They're constantly trying to, you know, make connections and stuff. So, right. Really, the whole mascotting experience while I was in college uh, set me up for a lot of success in life and and also to really build that mascotting program. No, yeah. So, uh, obviously, you said there was no one that was there trying out. So, how was the program? Did you get any benefits being the mascot? So when I started, there was like a, a scholarship that was about $500 or so, which uh, was spread over two semesters. So nothing really. And and funny enough, the mascotting program uh, when I started was very poor in the sense that, uh, to give you an example, one of my first events I ever went to as the, the university mascot, I went there and the, his, the, his name is Benny. And so I went there and they, someone came up and said, Hey, how's it going, Frank? And he had no idea. And he was an alumni, obviously. He had no idea what the mascot's name was. <laughs> and so that kind of explains how the mascot was viewed in our community, is that it was just the thing that was on the court, but nobody really knew what it was, who it was. I think they all inferred it was the school mascot, but very, very unknown in our in our community. Yeah, uh, that's a bummer. But, I mean... Uh- what has changed? We were talking, and I feel like a lot of things have changed now. So, so um, by the time that I ended uh, there, I, I was able to help the, the program. We grew into two mascots, so we had two students that had um, $750 per semester each, 
uh, for a scholarship, which, Grant, I mean, wasn't a lot, but it was a lot more than before. We only had one very ragged old suit. We uh, had a second suit purchased. Uh, we won a national championship. We were runner-up for a national championship twice in that time frame. Uh, we turned, really, we turned that brand of that mascot into a celebrity, so much so that prior, the, I mean, my first year outside community events, I probably did two or three. And the year I left, we did about 200 or so. Oh, wow. So, I mean, what was the process for all of that? I mean, what what are some tips for someone trying to build their program? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it really just came, we, we brought that character to life and gave him a personality. Previously, I think that um, not not necessarily due to the lack of effort from the marketing team at the athletic department, but I think that somebody just, they just found somebody to fill the suit, which accomplished the goal, which was to have the mascot there. But I don't think that anybody who got in that suit viewed it as a real person. And so that, that was kind of what my mantra was when I, when I was there was to make Benny real and he has personality traits. He walks in a way, he does the same jokes. He, I mean, everything like that, he's a real person. And really the thing that skyrocketed him that, that first year I was there, a company uh, did sponsored an advertisement, which they called Benny's Dance. And at the halftime of every uh, game, a basketball game, Benny would do a dance and then whoever guessed it first or, you know, whatever would win a prize, all to get the name of the brand out of that company. And so what I did is I kind of took it on myself to make that that the point that the, everybody in the stadium wanted to see. Like, I knew that everybody was there to see the basketball game. But in my mind, I thought, no, everybody's here to see the mascot. <laughs> and so we did, like, the Napoleon Dynamite dance. And so we got the costume, and, and I learned the dance moves that, so that it was exactly the same. MC Hammer, Michael Jackson. I mean, we had the costumes. I got the choreography down. We, we, I involved the cheerleaders, so they would they would come and instantly back up. It was kind of a surprise. So we really used that promotion to skyrocket the personality of the mascot, Benny, into a real person that people could get to know, could experience, could interact with, and could learn to love. That's awesome. I love it. So when you left, did you finally have like a backup and... Did you have like a handbook all, you know, ready for the next person? Yeah, yeah, we did. We, uh, by the time I left and, and still to this day, they, the mascot squad, there's two individuals who are both considered full-time mascots in the sense that between the two of them, there's so much demand. They, they split those events. There's a handbook where they, um, this is how he walks. This is his signature. This is his signature move. Uh, these are the things that he likes. These are the, individuals that he likes it. the character that we developed we knew that in our community we would have much more success if we really connected with children uh, because eventually uh, in some small communities like like with ours a majority of those students would want to go to big schools for their education but the reality would be that they wouldn't uh, due to economic reasons or due to the fact of convenience since it's a town a university town and so we thought if we can convert them when they're a child and remember, they love Benny, the mascot. They will, when that decision comes further in life, say, I want to go to this university because I remember the mascot. He was awesome, and 
I love those times. So why wouldn't I continue the tradition that I started when I was a child? And so that's something we really targeted was children. And so the Benny, the mascot, loves children and always goes out of his way to make a child smile or be happy. You said that you had an embarrassing story. Did you want to share that? Yeah, that was this past season. It was January 13th. It was uh, We were having a promotion night. It was Friday the 13th night. Things are bound to happen. <laughs> I, I, ha- I had a modified mask of my own of a Jason-style mask. And uh, we have a promotion that we do uh, every game called the Flying Philly. It's a promotion with a local cheesesteak shop in town. And we, instead of shooting T-shirts out of the T-shirt cannon, and like at ball games, they'll shoot a hot dog out, we shoot cheesesteaks. And so the first one, the first practice, it literally exploded. They did not wrap it near well enough. It covered an entire section. It was awful. But thankfully, there weren't people in the section. But then we started doing it every game. And so it started off with four sandwiches, and it was really successful. And hey, let's make it eight sandwiches. So we started doing that, and it's shoot it off. And different ones come out different ways. Some of them fly really, really far. Other ones don't barely even make it out of the cannon. So I stand kind of in the middle of the section. There's lower seats that are down closer to the ice and then a lot that are behind me. And I'll try and get the ones behind me mostly. And then I try and get some down for, for the lower sections too. And I was having a hard time getting the gun to work real well. It wasn't shooting the, the sandwiches out. They were wrapped differently or something. And I thought, oh, I'll just put just a tiny bit of gas in and I'll just kind of, it'll just kind of piddle out the end of the cannon and kind of get one of these front sections. And the gun malfunctioned a little bit and it fully juiced the thing, which is what I never do ever anyways. And so when I fired it, I expected just this little thing and it nearly knocked me over. Oh my gosh. And as soon as it went off, I knew I was in trouble. And I dropped down to my knees. Gameplay was on. And apparently I missed a ref by about three feet. So it nearly cleared to the other side of the rink. Oh, my so God. It, uh, it, they had to blow the whistle, stop. Uh, I heard the replay of the on-air announcer who <laughs> said, uh, said, we have a stop and play. I think we have a, uh, a some type of malfunction with the cheesecake cannon. And pretty soon they're the two guys are just dying laughing they are trying to keep it humorous i am on a i'm on a knee being uh somewhat chastised by our pa announcer who's telling me if we do that again we're gonna get you know a penalty and i was so thankful we didn't get a penalty i was so embarrassed absolutely embarrassed somebody told me later on that I was on the other side of the arena and I could see how red your face was right through that mask. Oh. It was very obvious that you were embarrassed. And I, I felt horrible about it. And then I had to go basically the rest of the season with people constantly asking me if I had any cheesesteaks to throw on the ice. Oh my God. And it was, it was horrible for a while. And eventually I tried to get over it and find the humor in it because it really was funny if you weren't me. So it was was hysterical. People were, the coaches and the players were not amused as well as like any of the official kind of people. 
and myself and then everybody else, they were rolling on the ground. They were laughing so hard for a number of people. They told me that was the highlight of the year <laughs> that you know, oh, I wish we would have got that on good video. It would have been so great. And I was just like, Oh God, I'm going to get, I'm going to get suspended and I'm going to get fined and I'm going to lose my job and all kinds of things were going through my head. And it was, thank God we didn't get a penalty. So, and it, it, it turned out. Okay. Uh, the sandwich shop actually loved it. They had so much free publicity from that oh that God. they they couldn't have been happier. So it, it worked out, but it was it was pretty much my most embarrassing moment I've ever had. You know, in in a suit, out of the suit, anything ever. I felt terrible about that, and have had to work hard make sure that that, that didn't happen anymore. And I was kind of aware of it. I just, it was, you know, a complete accident. I, you know, I still feel terrible, but now I can look at it and go, yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah. It takes a while. I know. <laughs> it it definitely takes a while. Yeah. But I mean, did your supervisor understand or? Uh, I, he, I expected that I had a text when I got back to my changing room and I didn't have anything. He didn't send anything that night. I didn't see him. The next day I showed up for the next game and I'm walking in in the corridor and I could see he was coming up and it, he walked over and said, do I have to say anything? He said, nope, we've already had this conversation in my head about 400 times today. So no, he said, no, it was, it was an accident. I really didn't mean to. I'm really, really sorry. So he was like, okay, cool. You know, you know exactly what you did. So that's fine. Don't do it again. And that, and that was the end of it as far as he's concerned. How many people know that you're the mascot? Uh, of people that I know in like real life, everyday life, two or three dozen, maybe something like that. It's pretty restricted. They really don't want me telling a lot. And probably half the people are associated with the team somehow, whether it's front office or coaching staff, something like that. So it's really not a ton of people. So it's just, it's just, just the way it is here. Yeah. But your son knows, right? He does know. And do you want to share that story? <laughs> he's he's 10 now and found out, I believe, when he was eight, when uh, during during my first season, he found out uh, right at the end of the season, we had a couple games left and we have a junior mascot that comes out right at the very beginning of the game and occasionally during the first intermission they're out. And it's really just a, it's an easy, fun promotion kids sign up to do it and we draw it out of a hat basically. Uh, and I just coordinated to make sure that he got to do it once he had never done it before. It took most of that season to talk him into it because <laughs> I really wanted him to do it. I thought that'd be kind of a cool father son sort of thing without him knowing it. And, uh, so he finally did it. He was having a great time. And as at that time, he thought that I worked back in the locker room. That was what I had told him as I worked with equipment back in the locker rooms. And he was like, okay, whatever didn't care. <laughs> yeah. And so at, after the intermission break, we went, went to the back where he's going to take off the suit and that. And I had asked that a couple people said, Hey, I want you to take pictures of us. So they just talked to him and said, Hey, Hey, let's get a couple pictures with nugget before, uh, before you take off the suit. And so, okay. All right. So he kind of stands and we're posing. And then I kind of pull off his part of the suit. The top half comes off with the head and he stands there and he's posed with me kind of thing. And then as he's looking at the cameras and that, one of which is videotape, I pull off my head and kind of tap him on the shoulder 
And he turns around and looks and he sees my face. And he was just, no words. He was just shocked. <laughs> and it was, dude, I've, I've been this the whole time. This whole season, I've been nugget. He was, oh, oh, <laughs> now I get it. He, he had no clue. He was completely shocked. It was a lot of fun. So it was, it was kind of cool that he got to mascot with me. And he, he's been in the suit a number of other times since. Um, he loves helping. Now, now that he knows, he loves helping out with making props. Uh, I'll bounce ideas off him all the time because it's, it's good for me to get a kid's perspective on, is this going to be fun? I need it to be fun. So, and some things he'll shoot me down. He has no problem telling me, no, that's not going to work, but you know, he'll help me modify ideas. He'll help me build things. So it's, it's worked out real well. I'm, I'm glad that he didn't freak out about it or anything. He's been very positive. I know you said you've only been doing it for about a year, but are there any daring stunts that you've done or what do you feel is the most dangerous thing that you've done in the suit? Um, yeah, about a month and a half ago, I've never ridden a motorcycle in my life. <laughs> and like just in a person and we had a motorcycle rally at one of our games. So I sat in the back of one motorcycle from a hospital, Baker Hospital, it's right near a stadium, to the stadium about half a mile. We drove down a pretty big road and I led 30 or 40 other motorcycles behind me. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But you weren't driving, right? Like you were just sitting behind someone? Driving? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was just sitting. I, I'd get pulled over if I was driving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And have you ever proposed any ideas that like were rejected? Oh, yeah. No, my, my GM is afraid of some of my ideas. But um, <laughs> one, I'll give you... Um, well, one idea that my GM didn't like, I wanted to get like a big realistic looking sized toilet, just put it on top of the other team's dugout and I would just sit on top of it. <laughs> just, just sit there and just let it like, you know. Like that was your game day seat. I mean, like, I I find that hilarious. Yeah. I think that's funny. I mean, you can kind of pull it off like, like a Game of Thrones night or something, and then like that's your throne, and Maybe. then you go sit on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your newspaper or something. <laughs> like I don't know. That's funny to me, but I find like stuff like that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to try to push things. I'm not like I'm not the dancing type of mascot. I can't dance at all, but I'm more of the trying to be funny and like trying to pull off stuff with the other teams. But I don't. I guess he just didn't want us to be too disrespectful, which that makes sense. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting that you brought up kids because at some of my like on campus events, um, sometimes I like accidentally like hit kids or like kick them because I don't see them. <laughs> um, but I like at a soccer games, um, there's this one kid for some reason at every like time he sees me, he has to like punch me in the balls and I have to like hold it back and like not just punch him in the face. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Like every single time, like this kid, like you recognize yeah. the kid and you Same see him. Kid, I recognize him. Like for the past three years, every soccer game I've been to, he's been there. He's always punched me in the wall. So I'm just like, who is this kid? And can someone please control him? Do you think he like thinks you're someone else or something, or he just thinks it's funny and he's just being a little punk? Like, <laughs> I don't want to. I feel like he he doesn't understand that there's someone inside the suit. But I also think he's just doing it because he thinks it's fun, even though it's really not for me. 
how old is this kid? Um, I mean, three years. I mean, he's gotten. He's getting older. He's got to learn like somewhere. <laughs> like, I think when I first met the kid, it's about like five or six. Wow. And probably, so like now, it's about like eight or nine, and yet he still does. It. I mean, I haven't seen him yet this year because we haven't been to a soccer game yet. But I hope he has learned by now. <laughs> oh my gosh! You do you have a handler? Do you have a handler? Um, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. For like okay. the professional events um, and other off-campus events, I try to bring one of my cheerleaders as a handler because they love it because they get free stuff anyway. But it really helps me out to have someone like take pictures or like make sure I know where I'm going. Um, but for like on-campus events, now it's kind of like hit or miss simply because like a scheduling wise. Um, so sometimes I'm by myself, and that's okay. But I usually prefer to have a handler. Yeah, I think for that game, you need to have a handler just so that they can, like, you just need to keep an eye out and they just, just need to be recording the whole time. <laughs> so when that kid walks up to you, you need to get it, like, on camera, <laughs> like, on film, yeah. I really should. So I would just be like, for the next person, like, watch out for these, like, for this particular kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and then you'll just have everything documented, like, and be, all right, next slide. And be like, this kid right here, you see this kid? Watch out. Every soccer game, he's going to come hit you <laughs> like, where it <Right>. hurts. <laughs> and then, so how did you end up with the Spike social media gig then? Oh, well... Oddly enough, do you know how every year you suddenly see a whole bunch of mascots do the Christmas story? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. How we do that every year? Well, I'm friends with the mascot through some connections, and they were talking about it, and I'm like, oh, oh, I need to get in on that. So I created the account. You just went for it, like no permission or anything? (laughs) Yeah, it was more of a forgiveness over permission type of instance. And it took a lot of creative talking on me and my coach's part to actually pull off keeping the account. So now what happens is I run the account, but my coach oversees it. Like, he'll okay any post I ever do or anything like that. So there's a check and balance in that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like as long as it's for the positive. And the Christmas story was, like, for a positive. I mean, that was really cool to see everyone tweeting about that. That was actually really cool. <laughs> It is a lot of fun. Uh, my, this is my first year really getting exposed to it, so I didn't know anything about it until this year. Oh yeah, I that was my first time like seeing that whole story. That was really the first interaction with mascots, other than like private messages and texts and phone calls that people I already knew. That's the cool thing. I mean, that thing got retweeted a lot. I remember <laughs> everyone was talking about. That. Yeah, that was wow. a lot of fun, and then. The school got hold wind of this. There was a mascot account, and they were curious of who was running it and who was going to have domain over it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a bunch of technical stuff that goes into that, like behind the scenes, and like I, I, don't, I don't even want to get into that. But <laughs> There was quite a bit, but it all worked out in the end. Yeah. Everyone is happy now. No one, the school loves the account. They retweet a lot of our stuff and like our stuff whenever I post for the school. So it's been a lot of fun. This episode of Mascot Diaries is brought to you by Engineered to Entertain. From mascot championship rings to popcorn guns and giant mascot cell phones, Engineered to Entertain. Do you have any regrets so far or do you think that'll that'll come later this year when you don't ask for permission? (laughs) Yeah, I've learned the hard way not to take people's food. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned that the hard way, be, or or mess with people while they they got food in their hands, uh, because 
a guy like like handed me his food, but I didn't know that he handed it to me, and I couldn't see it. So I lifted my arm up, and ranch went all over his pants. <gasps> all of it was at a food truck festival, and we had to pay for his dry cleaning, and it was bad. It was oh real bad. My <laughs> but like I've had, I had a drunk man that kept hitting my beak once oh and saying me the bird is the word song like in its entirety. <laughs> That was really, really awkward because I was just standing there like I danced for like half of it. And I was like, I'm so done with this. <laughs> um, I also had a drunk lady once uh, poke me in the chest and go, what? oh, those are real. Like talking about my chest. And then she goes, I think you're hot. And it's like, I'm dressed like a giant bird. <laughs> but that was really awkward and uncomfortable too. And that was my best of volume four. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> One of my favorite stories is is Corey's story where they were trying to drag him out of the stadium. Oh my goodness. That, oh, only on Mascot Diaries. <laughs> um, I want to thank everyone for listening. Got five more episodes. Hopefully I can get those last two. And I just want to thank anyone who has emailed me and, you know, said that they listened. I, I really appreciate that feedback and just knowing that a, a few other people are listening so yeah thanks thanks for listening thanks for the support and take care